we're in the last chapter of first John, first John five. And, uh, John has been just talking a lot about what love is and how we know who is a follower of Jesus and what commands we're supposed to keep and what all that means. And I was just, um, multiple times this morning, I've been struck by different things, but as Val was reading in the old Testament and it was saying, we'll talk about the praiseworthy deeds uh, of God, because when we talk about those deeds, then um, our descendants will keep his commandments. And there's like a very definite relationship between um, hearing the stories of, of what God has done in the past and our ability to continue keeping his commandments in the future. And so as I was reading this part of first John, what I noticed was that there is no story. He doesn't mention any stories, but underneath all of the words that he's saying, um, you can imagine that there are stories because he isn't just pulling his definition of faith, you know, out of thin air or saying, well, I decided that, you know, the spirit of God had testified about Jesus. No, he's like thinking and speaking of stories of things that he experienced, um, of things that actually happened. And so, uh, I wanted to share the story, I guess, of the first part of first John five with you guys today, um, stitched together with some of the stories John might've been thinking of. So this is a story from God's word. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his children too, because the father can't be separated from his children and the children can't be separated from the father. Loving God means keeping his commandments to love our fellow believers and to love our neighbors. But these commandments aren't burdens or heavy yokes like some of the religious commandments. They don't hold us down. They empower us as God's children to defeat this evil world. And we achieve this victory. We defeat evil through our faith or our belief in Jesus because he showed us how to love. But what does faith look like? Well, Jesus said faith looked like the blind man who called to him by the side of the road on the way to Jerusalem, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus said that faith looked like the friends of the paralyzed man who carried him to Jesus. when Jesus healed him and forgave his sins. Uh, Jesus said that faith looks like the woman who had bled for many years until she crept through the crowd and touched Jesus's cloak. He said that her faith had healed her. Jesus said that faith was powerful. He said it could be as small as a mustard seed and still move mountains. He called it faith when people came to him uh, for anything, when they came to him believing that he had the power to feed them, to heal them, to deliver them from being tormented by evil spirits, um, and even to raise people from death to life. And because he did all these things and said all these things, we believe that he was who he said he was. And only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God can win the battle against the forces that hold people captive in body and spirit. And because of this, even God has testified about Jesus. Jesus was revealed as God's son by his baptism in water when he was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Jesus was also revealed as God's son by shedding his blood on the cross. 
On the night he was betrayed, he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to his followers and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. And then not only was his blood poured out on the cross, but three days after that, he was raised from the dead. The spirit who is truth confirmed this testimony. Jesus had said to his followers, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. And after Jesus had been raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And it was the spirit. It empowered them to be bold witnesses of everything they had seen and the truth they had learned. That day, through the spirit, Peter spoke to a crowd and said, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. So we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree that Jesus is the son of God. And since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. All who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true and that God has given us eternal life through love. And this life is in his son. And that's the story. Um, what are some things that you liked about the story or that stood out to you? Put a note in the chat, please. Go ahead, Ted. Oh, there I am. Hey. Uh, yeah, I I loved the interleaving of stories about Jesus in with this uh, chapter. I like the context that it brings to it. Um, I, I think I talked about this a few weeks ago that a lot of times you hear certain phrases or certain words in especially New Testament passages that just kind of trigger a lot of baggage or like have a lot of other meanings that are not necessarily supported by the text. And that every time you see that, you're like, okay, but if I have to go back and remember all that. So having all of that interleaved together right there, the message with the context, I'm like, okay, yes, 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 this is great. So thank you for that. I love that. Oh, Daryl. Oh, wait, sorry. Ben. Hi, Ben. Jen's on mute patrol. Um, I, I, I was struck by the simplicity of faith that's, that was articulated in that story. Uh, faith being welcomed, uh, faith being um, small and ordinary that the, the witnesses point to a God, um, that both 
receives and extends through the small stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, that was striking to me in that story. Daryl. I suppose I can just say what they just said, you know, uh, because I, I really, Ben, I really love that perspective too with that, the, the whole idea that that's who, that's who God touches more often than not, you know, right? Uh, is the, the people that don't see themselves as much of anything, but really they are the beloved of God. But what I really was focusing on is, is kind of what Ted was saying. You know, the, what I loved about you putting that together with the stories is that it reminds us that even the letters, even the epistles, even um, the Psalms, so it, it doesn't matter what the text is, what the literary genre is, they all point and they all are shorthand for the stories. Um, I loved what one writer said. I think it was Brueggemann. He said that, uh, you know, there's one story in the Old Testament and that or the first Testament. And that is Credo, which is the Exodus. Everything leads to the Exodus, points to the Exodus or everything points back to the Exodus. And in the New Testament is gospel. Everything points toward the gospel or leads back to the gospel. It's, you can't have these letters without the context of that story. And that, that's, it reminds us that you read Paul, you read John, doesn't matter who you read, it keeps pointing back to gospel. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they just sat down and wrote a textbook of all the really good ideas they had. You know, they're talking about, they're like witnessing and testifying to the things that they saw and what they learned from following Jesus. And that's really powerful. So, yeah. Was there anything in the story that was challenging or um, made you think or caught your attention? Hey, John. Sorry, I couldn't see your, oh, yes, I, I was looking in the chat bar. Sorry. Hi, John. I appreciate the um, compilation, the anthology of all the stories and how you wove them together. I was thinking about a, uh, a court case, and you might bring one piece of evidence, and some people might might contradict or say that's not right or good or meaningful. But when you get the whole array of all of the signs and all the wonders and all the stories in a sequence, then clearly this guy, Jesus, was not just a teacher. You know, this guy, Jesus, was not just a, a good moral guy. You know, and uh, I mean, we go back to, I love John and 1 John, my favorite books in the Bible. 
And it says in John that, that these were signs of him. So these were signs that he was divine. He was from God. And he wove them together. And so therefore, the red letters have much more value than and, and it, it was like, again, it's a court case. You line up all this evidence. It's kind of like, well, is he God? Is he real? He's from, you know, is he Messiah? Here's all the evidence, not just one item. And we say, yeah, but walking on water, not so sure. Maybe, I don't know. Line them all up, you go, bam. Mm -hmm. And put the jury, you decide. Mm -hmm. Is he Messiah? Is he son of God? You know, was he a liar? Lunatic? What is it? Mm -hmm. It's beautiful the way you did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what was, um, for me, what was challenging as I was looking through this was thinking about, you know, how does this apply to um, what's going on, especially in our country, especially in politics, because he talks, you know, in the passage, he talks about victory and how are we going to overcome the evil in the world? And um, we all have different perspectives on what the evil is like it's sometimes it's hard to get everyone to agree <laughs> about what the real evil is uh and so it feels really disingenuous to use this passage to say anything like thank god for giving us the victory in the most recent election because i just don't think that's what god is about right uh, and what I was challenged by as I was thinking about like, what is faith and what is victory is that kind of like Ben said over and over, I saw that faith was like Jesus classified all these small things as faith. And he classified these like healing in people's lives as victory, not thank goodness we have someone who um, is going to be a good president victory, but like victory in liberating people from the forces that kind of hold them captive every day. Um, and some of those may be political, but it just struck me how um, over and over the example that we get is to see the people close to us and to, um, to respond to them and not ignore them. Um, that's just what I saw Jesus doing over and over. So Did this, oh, hey, Daryl, hi. There's another thing that's challenging, I think, is the role of the spirit in all of this. As, as you, as the, that text specifically mentions uh, that there's another witness and that witness is the spirit, not just the blood and the water, but also the spirit. And I think that we see, we, we tend to want to, and, and I, I have no um, handle on the spirit. Okay. So, so and I recognize that, you know, the, mo the more, you know, the less, you know, you know, kind of thing. Um, but one thing that I think we can, uh, we do see a, a strong uh, statement throughout uh, the Bible of one thing that we do know the spirit does or two things. One is that he is a witness of Jesus. He's always pointing to Jesus. He's not pointing. He never points to himself which I think is some of the problem with, with some 
uh, emphasis on the spirit. You know, well, you know, let's focus on the spirit. No, he doesn't focus on himself. He always focuses on Jesus. Um, so, and I think it keeps pointing us back to him, to Jesus. But the other thing is, what else does the spirit do uh, in his witness is that he makes us more like Jesus. And that's also that victory that you were talking about just now, Sarah, is that it's, it's not about, it's not the princes that we trust in, uh, but it's how God changes individually and collectively people into the image of Jesus. And I think, you know, the last, the last several years and especially the last few months, we've seen that demonstration of have I really been trusting the spirit on that one? Am I letting him change me into the image of Jesus? And how is that reflected in how I treat people and how I have been treating people in the last few weeks, especially and in the upcoming uh, months and years? Yeah, definitely. Oh, hey, Charles. Um, well, I feel like all, all of these comments are, uh, confirming a bias I have and I'll admit it's a bias. So, you know, it's good to be aware of your biases, but my, my bias is that, and, and theological conviction, but you know, it's my, it's my perspective and tradition, uh, that the, the church is a, a radical political incubator and, and that the way that God moves in the world is, uh, is not at the heights of power, but at the ground level of reality in the lives of folks at the margins. Um, that, that, I mean, that's part of the reason I believe in the possibility of the church so much amidst all of its failings is the the potential it has at the at the grassroots organizing level to connect to a to life and to power that transcends this world um that i in the, the all of the overcoming the world stuff by our faith and how life comes through the sun like i i really feel like that that is uh that's embodied it, it comes to life most fully on the ground in local communities like our own, where we are, we're struggling and wrestling to love each other and to love our neighbors well. And in the midst of that, we discern the love and the power of God in the same way that the blind man did, in the same way that all of those folks in the gospel stories did, that, that this community of faith is a, a radical political incubator. For the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This morning, Ryan and I watched the the monologue for that Dave Chappelle did last night on SNL because there were like millions of overtimes and we did not stay up for that through the football game. Yeah. And um, I loved. I mean, I 
I like when Dave Chappelle says anything hopeful because I think he has a good, you know, perspective on truth and he's not just being like, everybody love each other. Um, but he said, you know, we have to find a way to forgive each other and move forward. Um, and that was really impactful to me because like, I, I know I'm supposed to, but I feel some unforgiveness in my heart for the past four years and for other things. And it is hard to let go of, um, I was really encouraged by what he said. And then I was encouraged just by, as I looked at the story this morning, just how um, that's what John is talking about. Uh, he's talking about a way to overcome those divisions that come from unforgiveness, um, that come from not loving each other. And he says, you know, we can have faith in Jesus um, because we saw him do these things and we can have faith in him because he changes people's lives. And he showed us that the way to change people's lives was through love on the local level, kind of like what Charles was talking about. Um, and so those two things together, kind of a message of forgiveness. And then the fact that Jesus is trustworthy and has pointed us towards love as the way to move forward in our relationships with each other. Um, was encouraging to me today. So uh, I want to read a prayer. I just want to close with this prayer for courage. Um, courage as we're loving and we're forgiving and we're moving forward. It says, courage comes from the heart and we are always welcomed by God, the heart of all being. We bear witness to our faith, knowing that we are called to live lives of courage, love, and reconciliation in the ordinary and extraordinary moments of each day. We bear witness, too, to our failures and our complicity in the fractures of our world. May we be courageous today. May we learn today. May we love today. Amen. <laughs>